stuff. Stuff can be pretty neat. Stuff might be shiny, soft, big, beautiful, small, speedy. Stuff can help you run faster, make you look better, let you work more efficiently, give you the ability to snap and share photos more than ever before. There's a need. There's probably stuff somewhere that's going to help you fill that need. I like stuff. How about you? Now, stuff can be pretty useful. Now, take a moment here and think about all the stuff that has made your day today what it is. I see a lot of blank faces. <laughs> stuff like a mattress, a car, a refrigerator, a phone, a shirt, a toothbrush, hopefully a toothbrush. <laughs> but I don't know what I have used all today. I'd be hard-pressed to remember it all, let alone this past week. But I do know that if I did not have all that stuff, my day would look far different. Stuff can enable you to do more, to experience more. So it's no wonder that stuff can be pretty attractive. Stuff can get heavy, too. It builds up. Life gets stuffy. Life gets stuffy because you and I find ourselves wanting and getting more. And we want and get more stuff because the stuff that we have gets old. It fades. It loses its allure. It isn't as shiny as it once was. Something else comes along that is softer, more beautiful, bigger, smaller, speedier. Now, how many of you have a smartphone here? Fair number. Your smartphone's great, right? I love mine. It lets me do stuff that I had never previously imagined before. It's fantastic until the next year's model comes out. Now, yes, the new iPhone 7 did come out this week. No, I have no plans on getting one. So how are you putting your stuff to use? Does the stuff do what it was meant to do? Now, some of the time, stuff just sits around collecting dust forgotten somewhere, while other stuff gets used far more often and far more intensely than it was ever meant to be. And maybe you find yourself spending more time trying to get new stuff than you do using the stuff you already have. So how might that look to someone on the outside? What would they see if they looked at how you manage all your stuff. From their perspective, would it look like you're putting all your efforts into your stuff, your trust into your stuff? I imagine that if you weren't doing a very good job of managing stuff, it could all be taken away. Now, that's the situation that the steward faced in that story that Jesus told, that one we just heard from Luke chapter 16. The steward, who depended on stuff to keep him going, his very job was about managing stuff. He was going to be audited. 
Everything that this man had been doing as a manager of stuff was about to face intense scrutiny. Now, the steward, he didn't plan on sticking around and waiting to hear the auditor's report. He knew what they were going to find. He knew that he was out of a job and that the window for his hope was quickly closing. So what would you do if you were audited? And not an audit of merely your financial accounts, but your whole life. How you put all that stuff to use. This audit would have consequences. Everything that you're not managing well would be taken away. And if that happened, what hope would you have left? Well, each of us falls short in managing our stuffy lives. To some extent, each of us trusts in stuff to make us feel better, to provide for ourselves and the people close to us. That's the way our society trains us to think. In the short term or even the long term, you are supposed to trust that the stuff you have is enough to meet your needs. Now, that kind of stuffy thinking makes something like contentment an increasingly infrequent experience in our society. Why be happy with what you have? How can you be happy with what you have if you know that ultimately it is going to go away, that it's not going to last? And when all that stuff goes away, you're going to be left empty-handed in more ways than one. The steward in Jesus' story knows that he'll have to act quickly to secure a future for himself. So relying on his master's reputation as a merciful man, as a gracious man, he calls all of those people who owe his master money, owe him a debt, and he gives them some good news. Your debt has been greatly reduced. And so these people, these debtors, who are probably farmers who likely rent land from this Lord and owe him a portion of their crops, they take this steward's word as truth. They go away owing less than they previously did, and they think great thoughts about this merciful and gracious Lord who reduced their debt. And hopefully, if all goes well for the steward, they'll think well of him too because they take him as the representative agent of his master's mercy and grace. So, if the Lord, once his servant's actions have been found out, decides to reinstate the debt, make them pay the full amount that they owe, who is it that's going to look bad? Whose reputation is going to take a hit? The steward was shrewd indeed. The steward's future relies on his master's mercy. We've already seen that the Lord was merciful. When he found out that his steward had been mismanaging the stuff entrusted to him, he didn't just throw him in jail. But the steward knew that he could not save himself from the consequences of his mismanagement. And as it turns out, the steward's faith in his master's mercy and grace in that reputation was justified. 
If you've been like the steward, if you've been putting your hope in your stuff, the window for your future has not yet closed. Jesus instructs his disciples to make prudent, make wise, astute use of stuff. Like the steward, what we have doesn't actually belong to us. It comes to us from the Lord. It has been put into our care. And back in the time of the prophet Amos, that first reading we heard this morning, the people there had forgotten that truth too. They cheated the poor and the needy. They exploited those who had little for ill-gotten gain when they should have been treating them fairly, when they should have been treating their fellow Hebrews with compassion. That temptation to cheat, to misuse our worldly stuff apparently isn't limited to any one time or place, and Jesus knows that. His words are for us here, too. As Jesus tells his disciples, no servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and stuff. Well, the word that Jesus used wasn't stuff, but mammon. That's worldly wealth, the stuff with which we surround ourselves in life, the stuff that can all too easily tempt you to put your hope and your trust in it, to dedicate your time and your energy to collecting more and more of it. But there's no such thing as divided loyalty here. You can either serve God or serve stuff. Stuff isn't a secure foundation for certainty in our uncertain world. But your Lord is. Like a shrewd steward, you and I have a Lord with a reputation for mercy a reputation for grace. And that reputation is well-earned because his mercy and his grace are most clearly shown on the cross, the cross from which Jesus would hang not all that long after teaching his disciples with the story that we heard today. Because there on the cross, the Lord does more than reduce your debt to him. He wipes it out. There on the cross, your Lord pays your debt at the cost of his own perfect life. There on the cross, Jesus secures your future. When your future is secure, you don't have to have a stuffy life. The things of this world are mammon, things of unrighteousness, and they're not going to last. Jesus' disciples, as he says, have true riches, riches that will not wear out, riches that will not pass away. You have the joy of that eternal life that God has entrusted to you, a life that comes from a restored relationship with God. It's yours, and it's yours to share. God's kingdom has broken into our stuffy world in Christ. Our merciful and gracious Lord now allows his people, you included, to be his representative agents. Even using mammon, that temporary wealth of this life, you can offer others a glimpse of the eternal joy that comes from restored life with God. 
You can use the passing riches of stuff in service of the kingdom of our Lord. Even here, even at St. John's, opportunities abound. We have the Helping Hands Fund in order to provide for people, households within our congregation in need of emergency assistance. We partner with Koinonia, our neighborhood's service agency, to allow care and feeding and help for our neighbors here in Franconia. We're about to welcome in a refugee family among us to support them and sponsor them as they adapt to life here in our country because they are coming here with little to no stuff at all. How will you use your stuff? Stuff can be pretty neat. Neater still is your Lord's mercy and grace because they bring true and lasting riches so that you can have hope for the future. Because unlike the fading things of a stuffy life, the riches that you have through Christ, they last forever. Amen.